Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. Wasn't the first deal they built, I bet. No, no. I think the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. My name is Eric Estep. I am joined by NASCAR Xfinity Series driver Brennan Poole. Brennan, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks uh, for that amazing intro. Just bringing it right in. Well, um, we only have an hour. It's a powerful hour of content, so I got to be quick. I got to be abrupt. There's Brennan. Everybody clap. The hour is powerful. Can we put a clap track in for me? Oh, I will find that just for you, just for this episode. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, well, uh, we are here. This is a brand new podcast. Uh, we've got a special guest joining us later today, Daniel Suarez, coming straight off of a, a playoff berth last season, a win at Sonoma. We're going to hear all about that, the backstory behind uh, the pinata celebration. Uh, I was really curious to know about that. So we got Daniel Suarez joining us later on, but we're going to start this episode as we will start 
pretty much every uh, Power Hour episode by discussing the latest NASCAR news, hot topics. Before we get to that, though, we do have to thank our sponsor. This episode is presented by Circle B Diecast. You can use code OOTG, stands for Out of the Groove, for free shipping on orders over $30. Both Brennan and I are huge diecast collectors. We love to go on circlebdiecast.com and see what the latest releases are, what's coming soon. And, and it's a great passion of mine. It's what helped start my YouTube channel is doing videos with diecasts. I know, Brennan, you're pretty excited to have your name on a diecast that will be uh, <laughs> shipping very soon to the public. So I wanted to show this off today. Uh, the prototype out of the groove, Brennan Poole, JD Motorsport Chevy that ran at Phoenix, looks gorgeous. I cannot wait for uh, the Groovy Gang, for many listeners and viewers out there to uh, get this thing and have it in their collection. I, I cannot believe how well it came out. Brennan, uh, I know we were talking about some big name drivers later today, like Kevin Harvick. Do you have a, a special scheme, a special diecast to show off to commemorate that? Yeah. Yeah, I brought. I have my my Kevin Harvick ET uh, twenty nine from back in the day. I'm pretty 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 back stoked on this one. Um, That's cool. Um, yeah, and it's. I always loved the, these colors when I when I was a kid. I always thought this was like the coolest looking car. Um, and of course, yeah. I mean, what a way to celebrate uh, Harvick retiring. Plus, it has Sonic on it, which Texas also Sonic is a big is a big is. thing. I used to go there after school and get um, get the. Um, um tater tots and a a, yep. a lime a lime dr pepper um that's what? real texan yeah they, still, they, they they, put the, do they yeah. still do that yeah you can still do that i think you can i've, I've never actually, i love dr pepper i've never thought about adding lime to it this is news to me it's so good it is so good dude wow. but yeah i haven't been to sonic in a while i'm a prime uh top tier athlete okay <laughs> i can't be eating tater tots i'm just kidding i've probably been to sonic recently um yeah but this car is awesome it has like the stars and has et on it and and uh <laughs> Man, I don't know. I just, I, I, and when I was a kid, like playing the old, the NASCAR video games, like I would always um, try to make my paint scheme where you could like create your own, like the yeah. old NASCAR total team control, like that mm -hmm. stuff. You, I always try to like copy it after this. And I actually had a car that we tried to paint um, when I was younger to, to kind of look after, like, kind of modeled it after this with the blue on the bottom and the black. I always just thought this was a really pretty car. So yeah. yeah. And uh, Kevin Harvick in honor of him and his uh, retirement. And now we get to hear him in the booth more, which is also good because I think he does a good job. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more in a moment, but Brennan, uh, you're running full-time Xfinity this year with JD Motorsports. And uh, the day we're recording this, which is just a couple of days before this will be released to the public, uh, Kyle Busch announced he's coming out of retirement uh, <laughs> to run five well. Xfinity races this year. How do you feel about that, Brennan? Are you are you like are you pro Cup drivers in Xfinity or anti? Um, I mean, I'm not like I'm not pro and I'm not against it. Um, I think I think like as far for the team, like for colleague, it's great because I think you have someone with so much experience that they're going to be like Kyle's going to be able to help um, find some things within their program that may need improvement and make it better and. Not to be harsh on colleague, but I feel like the last two years, they really haven't been as strong as we saw the previous couple of years before that. So I think mm. um, just Kyle in general being in that whole RCR program, I think it's just going to elevate um, everybody over there. So I think the Xfinity teams will run better and, and I think the cup teams will run better too. I think Kyle um his feedback if you're, you're ever able to listen to his radio and he's dissecting a race car it's like really interesting to listen to him talk about it but he he's just so good at, at diagnosing what he needs in the race car in order to find the speed and where some of the problem areas may or may not be so i think it's going to be really good for the organization but as far as like racing against him like you know yeah i mean he's tough he's one of the best to ever do it he's got um you know 102 wins or whatever it is like he is incredibly, incredibly difficult. One of the best ever, in my opinion, on restarts. Uh, he like changed the game on restarts, I think, forever. Um, so like he's he's just um, he's just one of those guys that's just like it's a challenge. So I think there's probably some guys that are like, oh man, I got to race Kyle. But I mean, <laughs> when you race against him, you learn so much. Like I I've learned a lot of stuff from him. I've raced with him in the trucks. I've raced with him in Xfinity closely. Um, so you know we've had a few battles, and you know I've learned a lot from him. So and Kyle is. 
well, those guys too, you know, you can talk to them in the garage and, you know, I think when you're a rookie, it's, it's like intimidating to talk to some of those cup guys, but it's also important for them there. And they can, they can kind of teach some of the younger guys, some things, um, you know, here and there, and no one gives away all of their secrets, but and then <laughs> you can just pick up stuff from racing against them. So yeah. I think it's going to, I think it's good. I've always enjoyed well, elevate the competition. Yeah. I mean, the experience yeah, series sure. is all about like younger drivers, I think learning and like having a chance to, to learn on a big stage in front of millions of fans. So Kyle Busch, yeah. I think is good for that. Um, I, I'm happy you said what you, you said about Kyle Busch's communication, the way he relays information mm-hmm. about the car, because that, I think that kind of, uh, correlates with something I've been saying, a theory I've had, you know, Kyle Busch in cup the last couple of years as numbers have dipped. And I think you can, you can look back to a single point in time, the moment the pandemic hit and practice and qualifying went away. And then simultaneously NASCAR began to severely limit how many Xfinity and truck races he could run as a cup guy. I think the moment those rules began to be implemented, Kyle Busch's cup numbers have slipped a little bit. And I think it's, you know, it's a mixture of seat time, but it's also a mixture of having uh, less time to work on the car and talk to your crew members about, you know, what's going on and make any, you know, significant adjustments at the racetrack. But um, I guess Kyle Busch driving the 10 car, this is a result of Landon Castle, uh, who I think everyone thought was going to be full time this year in that car, unfortunately, uh, is not. So uh, Kyle Busch, five races, beginning with the uh, loss uh, with the West Coast swing, uh, Vegas and Phoenix. He will start out there. But uh, yeah, I guess it's good to good to hear what a, a driver thinks of Kyle Busch back in Xfinity. He's gone back on his promise. He's Tom Brady and he's Brett Favre. He's Mark Martin. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. It's definitely a unique situation with um, with Landon not being in the car. But I mean. I hate that for Landon too. I just wanted to touch on that for a minute because yeah. it's difficult when you go from running midfield cars and then battling up front. It's a different race. And um, I was curious to see, you know, how much farther along Landon would have been if he got the second year running full time in a, in a yeah. decent car. So, you know, kind of bummed for him. But also, um, I am very interested to see what Kyle does in the Xfinity car. Um, rules have changed. He's at Colleague. Colleague, I think, is trying to make that program back to where it was. Um, so yeah, we'll just see, see what he can do. Those are some good tracks for, for Kyle. He's obviously really good at Phoenix. I think we can all say he's really good there in Xfinity car. So be curious to see, see, uh, see what he does. Yeah, absolutely. He'll provide, if nothing else, a baseline for where that, uh, colleague Xfinity program is now and where it should be. Um, next, uh, topic I want to hit on Brennan. So as of the time of recording this, it's the week after the clash, the clash yeah. at the Coliseum. I was there in person. I assume you were watching uh, the Fox broadcast at home. Yeah, um, yeah, I did. The big kind of talking point coming out of this event, obviously the second half of the main race was a little sloppy, a lot of spins, a lot of contact, a lot of crashing. But mm-hmm. because Auto Club Speedway confirmed they will not be on the schedule next season and maybe not even 2025, uh, many are speculating that the clash at the Coliseum will become a points race. And I know you didn't race in the clash, Brennan, but watching it at home and as a driver, how do you feel about that possibility? Um, I don't think it should be a points race. I don't, I don't. And I would, I would probably just go out on a limb here and say, I think every driver in the field would probably say it shouldn't be a points race, but (laughs) they don't make those decisions. But I mean, I, I just, you know, I think a points paying race should be a track big enough where all the cars can at least be on the track at the same time or all the ones that qualified for the race. I don't think it should be broken up in heat races. And then you have to figure out, well, this person got eliminated in this B main and this person got eliminated in this B main. And so it's this points. And it's just like, I just don't think it's necessary to do that. I think the show of the clash is great. Like I love the break halfway. I thought Wiz Khalifa did a great job. I thought he was awesome. I, you know, the first band, I can't even remember their name. I know they're from the nineties. I are like, I know there's one song, but like, I didn't think that part, if I'm being totally honest, I just didn't like that part of it. But the rest of the show I thought was pretty awesome and seemed like the fans liked it a lot. So I was pretty happy with how all that stuff went. Um, in the first half of the race, that was great the second half of the race, it just became a little bit of a ping pong type show where the cars just running into each other back, back and forth, spinning every two seconds, Harvick retaliating to wreck the 38 when the 38 got shoved into him anyways from behind. So it's like all this like mix match of stuff happening because the track's so tiny. No one knew who to be mad at. That was the problem. Like, like it's one thing of tempers. I feel like everyone was pissed after the race, but you didn't have any fights or anything because nobody actually knew who to be mad at. That's that's what it seemed. No, everyone was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess you get shoved from three cars back. There's no, nothing anybody can do. You yeah. just can't stop. So 
I personally think the track's a little too small. I wish there was a way or a stadium that had like a section that they could like move out of it. So like the track could be a little bigger and then I think it would be amazing. I think it would be really cool. And I think the fans would love being like that close up on top of the action and you could do the similar thing. So I personally think it should, the class should be moved somewhere mm-hmm. else, but I, you know, I think they've done this two years in a row. I, I personally think it's been very successful. I think a lot of people have thought that it was fun. I don't think the drivers had much fun, but <laughs> I think they could find a venue, do it in a big market or somewhere else where they could just like, the track just needs to be a little bigger. It's just too small. It's yeah. just too, it's too small. I, I think it's fine. The size and shape it is now for an exhibition where, you know, you, yeah. I think this year the drivers were all a little more comfortable and that's why you saw them, you know, like you said, ping ponging, just piling into yeah. each other a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if they're going to turn this into a points race, I don't really have an issue with the elimination thing. Like for a points race, I think if one day we did want to do a point race with heats where only like 25 make it to the main event, yeah. like, I, I think they'd find a way to calculate the points, you know, 25th on back reasonably. And, and I wouldn't be opposed to that, uh, if the track yeah. conditions called for it. But I think in the case of this race, it's just, like I said, it's too easy to affect someone three cars in front of you. You know, it's just you get spun. You don't even know who to be mad at. You don't know who to retaliate. The only wreck I saw in that race that was pretty clear who made the mistake and who got the worst end of it was when (laughs) Ross Chastain, of course, uh, spins (laughs) Denny Hamlin for about the bajillionth time. Um, But aside from that, it was just a lot of bumper cars with no one. Everyone's mad, but they're just mad at the environment. They're not mad at anyone in particular. And that's not good. Like I was watching uh, after the race. I think Hamlin and Byron traded contact and then Hamlin got spun after the yellow because Byron's mad. Hamlin gets out of the car and I'm watching this from the stands. Hamlin gets out of his car, storms over to William Byron. They talk for a second and then Hamlin's like, oh, my bad and walks off. And you go back and watch the replay. It was Kevin Harvick from like three rows deep that caused the wreck they were both mad about. So that that was that was the problem. Like It just it devolved past entertaining good racing to just kind of. I don't want to say an embarrassment, but yeah, it's not. No, it's not. It wasn't that bad. But like what I will say is it reminded me a lot of and anybody that's listening to this that follows legend car racing or Bandoleros or has raced or in the Charlotte area and raced or been to the summer shootout. It reminded me like the summer shootout where you race like a couple green flag laps and then like everyone's just moving everybody out of the way. People are flying off of the track in the grass like and it's just like yellow after yellow after yellow after yellow. And then like towards the end of the race, I was just like okay guys and then like harvick wrecking the 38 i was like just another yellow that's just like totally (laughs) not necessary that we all now have to sit and wait again yeah to get this all lined back up and go again and i was just like oh man that part that little bit was starting to get annoying i mean and i think most fans would say that right like you were just like okay i'm ready to see them race like just like yeah one corner yellow one corner yellow one corner yellow like six times in a row Exactly. So uh, I guess my last question is, what does NASCAR do in Southern California for the next two years if they can't go to Auto Club and they can't do a points race there? I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think they should get I don't think they should touch Auto Club personally. I'm fine with it being rough and whatever. It's like one yeah. of the best mile and a half or two mile tracks that we go to. Like, I love racing there. I just love it. I think most of the other drivers would be like, yes, we all love it. There's multiple lanes to choose from. You can kind of run on the bottom. It's worn out. It's tricky. It's tough. You slide up, you run the wall, big, long straightaways where momentum and runs come in. Like it's one yeah. of the best races. So to me, I personally don't think tearing it down and putting a short track there is a great is a good idea. But what I will say, I think in this thinking process behind making this track is developing the land around the track and putting you know, shopping areas, good restaurants, other things to do in that area for the fans. Like that part of it, I'm really excited to see what they do with that because the track, the track is huge. Yeah. So there's a lot of land there. I'm like, man, they could put in awesome hotels, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff for kids, um, different shopping stores, all kinds of stuff, sports bars, whatever, you name it that are there. And when the race comes in, it's like a whole nother, it's like a, a big party area, right? Like I think that part of it, excites me and i think that they there's a big opportunity to see how that looks and what that how that works um but the racetrack is just so awesome so there's like part of me that's like sad because this track is so great and everyone loves racing there it's in it, one it's in a beautiful area with the mountains in the oh, back yeah. and everything it's beautiful and then uh, you know you, you hate to like lose this track but 
you know, maybe this is the start of something really new and great and exciting. That's way better for the fans. And everyone's like, oh my, and maybe this short track that comes out of it becomes an iconic short track for us in, in our sport in the future. I simply don't know that. I'm just saying the big track is fun. Yeah. It's already a great fun track. What you have now is really good. And I agree. I think, I think before last year's weekend at auto club, I think most people would have said, yeah, short track, this is a no brainer. And then you saw yeah. the cup cars struggle on short tracks. You saw how great the race on the two mile track was last year. And I think everyone's now, mm. yeah, pumping the brakes a little bit. But yeah, I'm confident that at some point NASCAR, at least in the Cup Series, will get a better short track package. We already know the Xfinity cars seem to race great no matter what type of track uh, they're competing on. Uh, yeah. I like what you said though. If they're going to turn it into a short track, use the excess, the leftover land to build something to to bring people in, to build something like shopping centers, restaurants, entertainment venues. You name it. I think if they can really develop the land around the track, that would be great. Because if if it just turns into more warehouses over there and then there's a short track, there's no point. At that point, like just renovate the grandstands you have now and keep it a two miler. It'll be more unique that way, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it would be cool if they could integrate like a way to for the camping and stuff in California too, like around all this other stuff that would be fun to do with the restaurants and the shopping and whatever, like if if stuff for the kids, I mean, I don't, you know, stuff to do at night, throw a bowling alley in there, throw something something cool breweries around that, you know, like all that fun stuff. That would be, I think it would make it Give, like a destination place like, to go. That's the tough thing is it's in Southern California, but it's an hour outside of Los Angeles. So you're going to yeah. need something more than a racetrack to get people to come out there for it consistently and yeah. fill those great yeah. But um, yeah, it's not an easy solution. Uh, I think we both agree. Auto, uh, sorry, the clash at the Coliseum, fun exhibition, points race, uh, not not so much. Um, real quick, so, before yeah. we bring in Daniel Suarez, our, our special Extra special guest. I have one other topic uh, I wanted to bring up. Uh, this offseason has been packed full of news, but perhaps one of the biggest stories we alluded to it earlier when talking about Diecast. Kevin Harvick, the closer, is about to close out his uh, historic NASCAR career. A 60-time winner and counting. He's still got this year to go. Uh, he's won a championship. He has a shot at a second one. Um, he's been to <laughs> five championship four appearances, which, uh, according to my stats, ties him for the most all-time since they've implemented this current version of the playoffs um he's already announced it's now been confirmed that he will join the fox tv booth after this year but i guess i I guess brennan i know you grew up more of a a jeff gordon fan but you've grown up in the kevin harvick era you've had to race uh in the kevin Mm -hmm. harvick era if you will so how will you remember um the closer uh now that his career sort of winds to a close yeah, I mean, a lot of great moments watching him as a kid, um, you know, as I was trying to find my own way to NASCAR. So, I mean, that part of it is cool. And another California guy, you know, I started yeah. racing in California, so I think that's cool. But, um, you know, for the most part, I'm, I, you know, I've had I've had Kevin come up and give me try to give me advice, talk to me and help me about things. I've also had him come up and be really pissed at me, <laughs> give me the finger a few times. Um you know, and, and, but, you know, that's just, that's just racing. But um, I think uh, some of the battles and stuff that we had on track for, for me, I think I'll remember, you know, we battled at, at Darlington. He got really mad at me because I, I literally sent him into turn uh, three at Darlington. He was, he was pissed, um, which, you know, I didn't mean to send him that hard, but also, <laughs> you know, I was still learning some things at that particular time. Um, you know, so just part, part of that, you know, and, and I think, um, Harvick's been great for the sport. I think he's helped the sport in a lot of different areas and um, has definitely been someone in his later years of, the, of his career where he's stepped up and said a lot of stuff that's, I think, pushed the sport forward in a lot of areas. So I think, um, you know, he he was great as far as those things go. And, I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've always felt like he's done a great job in the booth. You know, he's always kind of done Xfinity races and truck races and talk, and done that stuff. So, I'm excited to just hear his perspective, um, you know, on Sundays, you know, not being the not being the driver on track, but being the driver in the booth, going over and breaking down the things that are happening happening on track. I think he's an incredibly smart race car driver. So just getting to hear those things and what he has to say, I think will be valuable to a lot of racers out there, but also give the fans a little bit better perspective. And I think he does a great job at that. So I'm excited to see yeah. him in the booth. I think he'll be a great foil to Clint Boyer's uh, personality. Like you'll get, you got Mike Joy, great historian, and I don't know how many more years he's going to do that job. Maybe not much longer, but great historian of the sport. Boyer is 
in the moment, more of a character. You'll have Kevin Harvick, the straight man, who's just dishing out great facts and information like you're talking about. So I do think Harvick will uh, mesh with the Fox TV booth really, really well. I'm excited yeah. that that deal's happening. The way I always remember Kevin Harvick, obviously a driver who entered the Cup Series under tumultuous circumstances, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, made the most of his opportunity and I think helped heal the sport in some ways by having early success that first year in 2001. Um, you know, he's he, hothead Harvick, happy Harvick, whatever you want to call him. He's had his ups and downs. I've not been a fan of him at times. I've been a fan of him, uh, of his at times. Um, but what you said as well about him sort of becoming a leader in, in the industry now, I mm-hmm. think becoming a voice that is very true. And you look around, even though he won't be driving anymore, uh, he still has his fingers, his hands, I think in a lot of different areas, he's got his, yeah. his son, his kids are coming up through the racing ranks. He's got Kevin Harvick incorporated, which represents several drivers and athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and Dale Jr. and that whole group, and Just Mark, they just bought uh, the Cars Tour, late model series. Yeah. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting something. Yeah, he'll be on TV. So Kevin <laughs> Harvick's still going to be around, still going to be a voice of reason, I think, in many ways, uh, and won't be afraid to share his opinion. <laughs> we know that much. So, um, Oh, yeah. His, his opinion will be made known regardless of where he is. So, um, And that's going to be cool. Maybe he has a different perspective from the yeah. booth. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I'm I'm excited to see his next chapter. Obviously, I think everyone will miss um, seeing some of the action that he brings to the track for sure. And maybe a few of the fights, but you know, I think, what did he say when, before he left that Richard Childers told him, um, you know, if you're not winning the race or if you're having a bad day, make sure you get on TV and cause some drama. So <laughs> I don't remember what the exact quote was, that but sounds I, about right. he, cer- he certainly did that many times. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> uh, it also leaves a big hole over at Stuart Haas racing to fill. We don't have to get into that. Too, yeah. too much, but uh, yeah, it's... Hey, Tony Stewart, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, hey, honestly, shoot your shot. They got a couple openings there with Amarola. Yeah, <laughs> I know. As well. I, I'm available. You got to schmooze the Smithfield. You got to find <laughs> get find whoever the, whoever he knows. It, uh, flavor hails from there, dude. I've got the bacon <laughs> in, my, in, in, in my fridge right now. Uh, I like it. Um, <laughs> well, I, on that note, again, uh, this is how we'll start most every episode. This is kind of the pilot in many ways. We're feeling it out. But uh, we like to start by talking about the latest news and notes. And, and of course, this is on YouTube. This is on other platforms. So we always encourage you guys to comment and chime in down below. Uh, but now it's time for the uh, mid-show break, if you will, uh, where we bring in a special guest each each episode. And our first guest, I am pleased to say, is none other than the one and only Daniel Suarez. So let's bring him in. And welcome to the show now, Daniel Suarez, our first ever guest in the history of the <laughs> Out of the Groove Power Hour. And I'm counting, like, Brennan, you've got a few helmets behind you. I've got mm-hmm. a cheap replica here. But Daniel, uh, you're winning this battle running away. How's it going, man? Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for having me, um, both of you guys, Eric, Brennan. Um, yeah, and I have I have a few helmets, believe it or not. Uh, you know, all these helmets I have here in the back of me, I had them in boxes for a long time. And then Julia came to my life and she put all this stuff together and then she made my my office look way nicer. So it's, it's pretty good. Oh, it looks uh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. How's your off season going? I know you've been really busy lately. New York City. Uh, and, and actually, speaking of Julia, I guess we should start there. Uh, congratulations back in November. That's a uh, really exciting stuff. So it sounds like you've had a great off season, but now NASCAR is about to return. How's it, how's it been going? Yeah, it's been, it's been great. Um, you know, with a lot of confidence, I tell you that it's been the best off season of my career. Um, and, and honestly, it's not just because the engagement is for everything else, you know, that happened around it. Um, so much stuff going on, uh, traveling, visiting family, just doing a lot of different things. And for the first time ever, I was able to, to really disconnect from racing for, for a few weeks. I never, I never done that before in my life because I always had to work with either sponsors, contracts, or extensions or stuff like that. So you have no idea the difference. Uh, it's, it's very hard to explain, but it's, it's, it's way different. You know, like right now, I'm actually really, really fresh to get going again. And, and I have never felt like this uh, before. I've never been in this position before. So um, it's quite nice. And, uh, and I'm definitely very, very excited to get going. I've been, I've been waiting for this moment already for a few weeks. 
It's right. certainly coming up quick. I know um, Eric and I were joking because we're getting to talk to you right before the clash. And this episode is going to come out right after the clash. And we were like, what if Daniel wins the clash? And we've talked to him right before. Not only are we good luck and you're going to be wanting to come on this show now, you know, every week because you talk to us and then win won the clash right after. Um, but also, like, <laughs> we didn't get to talk about it, man. But But one question <laughs> I have. Is like you're going to LA, obviously such a fun place to go and, and race. Of course, we race kind of near there in Fontana um, shortly after Daytona, the week after. But um, can you talk about like what is the feeling like as a driver, like getting to race, you know, in, in that Coliseum, in that environment, all the entertainment around, like starting off our season in LA, in the Coliseum, um, you know, sort of, you know, the, the feeling of getting to fire the, fire the season off there. Like, what is that like for, for you? You know, for me, is is very special. Um, obviously, because the Coliseum is is a very historic place. You know, so so much history has gone through there. Uh, that's one part of it. But the second part that for me is very important is that you know, racing in LA or California or really anywhere in the West Coast, for me, is almost like racing at home. And uh, and it's just special, you know. Uh, you know, I remember like it was yesterday when I when I did the driver introduction in uh, in LA, and I did my introduction with uh, with a sombrero. I mean, you know, like it was it was crazy. Like I can guarantee you, you know, hands down, the most noise uh, of any driver just because I had a sombrero and there were so many Mexican flags <laughs> on the grass, and so. So that, that's quite special for me. You know, I don't get to live that in many places. So uh, to have that in L.A. starting the season in a, in a race where I know that a good percentage of the people there are Hispanic and they're going to support me is, is quite special. Yeah. And, you know, this last season, you got your first win uh, in Northern California, but still California, like you said. And I mean, how special was that uh, environment to win there of all places? Like it, it looked fun. The whole team was celebrating, but. Take me back to that moment. Like, how great was it to win your first race uh, on the West Coast of all places? Yeah, um, it was very, very special for, I mean, just being, like I said, just being in the West Coast is, is extra special. And and also, I had actually my program, uh, Daniel's Amigos. So I had yeah. a few hundred of, uh, of uh, Mexicans, Latinos in there making a lot of noise. So it was just very special. Um, and then actually the day after the race, the, the day after winning the race, you know, we, we, I, I got to travel to Mexico for the off weekend. Uh, we had the off weekend right after. So, so it, it just couldn't work out better to be honest. Yeah. I remember from that race, uh, what stands out the most to me was the, the pinata celebration at the end. So I have to ask <laughs> this, um, Ross Chastain, I remember said in interviews way back when that he has like a watermelon on standby in case he wins. There's someone who's like on watermelon duty. So I got to ask you, do you have somebody on pinata duty and what does their role or job look like? Yeah, so I want to tell you exactly how that happened. So for a while, you know, people ask me, hey, how is going to be your celebration, you know, when you win? Because we know you're going to win. So I, I always say, man, I, I have no idea. You know, I will figure it out as, as I go. And, uh, and then my PR say to me, man, you should, you should have a pinata. And I was like, man, that would be a very good idea. And actually, a few years before that, a few years before last year, a friend of mine in Mexico told me something about a piñata as well. And, and I thought, man, that would be a great idea, you know, to, to break a piñata, you know, that, like that's a very, very Hispanic thing. And, and we're heading to Dover, to the Dover race. I, I have always raced very, very good in Dover. And I told my team, hey, um, you know, uh, we're gonna win this race, <laughs> and one of the guys in the in the '99 team, he he went to uh, to buy uh, a piñata, and then when he was in the store buying the piñata, he started sending me pictures, and he sent me this picture of a taco piñata, and I was like, man, that thing is perfect. Buy a couple of those. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he got a couple of those, and in Dover, we ended up having some issues, so we already we didn't win there. But we already had a couple of piñatas in the in the holder, and uh, and I told him, I said, we're gonna use this piñata this year, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we we already have somebody in charge of that. 
I think you're going to go through a couple of those pinatas this year. I'm foreseeing it. And now we're going to have to find you a pinata specialist to make you taco pinatas because uh, I see you ripping through some of them this year. And uh, those <laughs> those extra ones you have laid over are going to be gone here pretty quickly. Yeah, they, I've, they, I've got a they, feeling they, I'm calling it. They, the, the the stock the stock market of the taco piñeras is going to go up this year that's wrong with that. <laughs> oh that's awesome i agree i i totally agree so new year new season um how do you like how do you feel where you guys are you know i know last year you know you guys you obviously won your first race you were very quick there you were in position to win multiple other times um throughout the year making the playoffs how do you feel this year, you know, heading into to this season where you're fixing to run in the Daytona 500 at the start of the year? Um, I, I'm assuming that everyone's got to be fired up uh, in, in your camp and your race team track house, obviously having a great year. Um, do you guys, uh, you know, you feel pressure to to continue on that success, although I believe you guys will this year. But but like how are how are things feeling and gelling as you're getting ready to 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 kick off this 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 second season here? Yeah, so. That's a good question. You know, I, you know, I think that 2022 was was a good year, uh, but there was a lot left in the table, man, and uh, and that's what is exciting for me and, and and for my team that that you know is, and I mentioned actually this. I, I had lunch with my team today, and I and I tell them, man, we we still. We still babies. Like in in 2022, my entire team. I mean, 90 percent of my team was was new. Uh, Pit crew. I mean, engineers. Like pretty much almost everything. So so this is gonna be the first time that we only made a few adjustments in our team to make it a little bit better and stronger uh, without changing the entire team. So so we're very excited for that. Uh, you, you know, we, we think that, uh, that, uh, that definitely there is a, a huge opportunity there. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I think that, uh, that this year is going to be, it's going to be excited for, 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 for the opportunities that we can come because like I said, last year we were happy, but we didn't finish satisfied. I, I mean, we, we felt that there were so many things that we could have done better and, and that we have the potential for more. So um, it's exciting to have those kind of issues. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the expectations are high. And I think that, that, that this year we're going to be able to, to be stronger and more consistent. I think that's the main thing that last year we had spikes, a lot of spikes. And this year, my goal is to have those spikes in more than the consistent basis. Well, you mentioned that the team still is really young. I guess this is just third year of Trackhouse's uh, existence. But last year, I mean, you guys were more successful. Uh, Ross obviously won races. You won a race. Both made the playoffs. Like, so does the vibe change at all? I guess I don't know how best else to describe it. But like, is the mood at the shop different? Y'all are going into 2023 still hungry for more, but maybe a little extra pep in your step knowing that, hey, we did some great things last year. Y'all ran with the big guns and I don't think anyone expected you to. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, man, is that this car really changed the game. And some people is accepting it, and some people is not. But the reality is that this car changed the game. If you ask them for this car, Track House, you know, wouldn't be what, what Track House is today. And, uh, and, and I feel like it really gave a more fair shot to to the new organizations. And I'm not saying new organization just coming in and just trying your best. No, you know, Trihouse is a very, very good built organization. You know, we have a lot of support from good sponsors, Chevrolet, which is key. And, uh, and, and, and you know, we're, we're one of the key partners of Chevrolet. So so there, there is a lot of great things on the side of Trihouse. We have a lot of new young blood, which is great. Um, and the reality is that uh, we just, we just have the same tools and than any other team that is up there. The only thing that we don't have is the uh, is the experience and 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 the big name. But uh, but other than that, we have everything else. So so why not? You know, <laughs> we're exactly the same. And uh, that that was kind of like the line that Trackhouse used a lot last year. You know, well, why not us? So you know, it's it's, it's great to be here uh, with a team that is hungry, with a team that is young, and, and with a team that, that, that in reality 
we are just getting started. Yeah, I think um, the growth where you guys are and, and you really starting with the team um, from the very beginning, I mean, it's just amazing to see the growth. And, and, and you know, I, I've known you, Daniel, a really long time. I mean, since we were, I mean, before I made any NASCAR starts and we were, we were teammates at Venturini back in 2014. I, yeah, 2014. I think you ran some in 2013. I don't remember then. I think I might have known you then, but um, and yeah, so we've known each other a long time, and I and I've certainly seen a lot of the, um, you know, the ups and the downs and all the the, the emotions and the different things that have that happened throughout the sport. And you've been there for me through a lot of those different uh, the ups and downs and things that I've experienced uh, in in the sport and in in my career. And and I appreciate that about you. So thank you, even though I think you already know that. I'm thankful for that, but but um, and and I and I'm just so happy for you to see. Um, you you know you overcome those things and i think back to um battling and and like eric asked me before we talked to you too like hey if you and daniel ever had any you know things where you ran into each other stuff on the track and like man the one time in 2020 in a cup race we were running around in the back at darlington just riding and i like totally just ran you over like on total accident and about wrecked both of us and you know and, and i think we joke about it obviously i mean in that split moment i think both of us were like oh crap you know but you, you, um, you were trying to wreck me for 29 <laughs> yeah i know a total accident total accident but um still still funny and a good and a good memory i have from from that season because you know we we do have a good good relationship <laughs> and so oh my god i'm still just i'm just like i can see it in my head now it happening and just being like <laughs> man that was so ridiculous um and and it was my fault completely so um whoops that's all i can say <laughs> say about about that one but but just to see you know even from from those moments and in, in you know the the tough 2020 and um and then going to track house starting this new adventure and, and you getting your first race making the playoffs all all the stuff that's just right in front of you here right for for you and in track house there's just um you know i see just a bright future and i'm sure you feel like you've you found a little bit of a home here um you know with justin marks and and, and this team and and um, are you seeing yourself being here a long time, seeing this journey out, being here for years to come, fighting, winning championships? Do you think this is this is probably where you're going to be for for the rest of your career, or how do you look at those things? Yeah, man. You know, it's it's a it's been it's been a long journey. You know, I I I have learned that in 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 the Cup Series, is not enough uh, to just be a good driver, you know. Uh, you know, it's not enough to 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 be talented to drive race cars because you you are talented to drive race cars. I'm talented to drive race cars. Like we we know that, you know. I, I believe that most of the guys in the Cup Series are are talented, and uh, and I think that once you get to this level, and and you really want to compete for wins and 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 to win championships, being good. Uh, it's not it's, it's not it's not enough. Like you have to have way more than just that. You know, you have to have uh, an army behind you. You know, of people. Um, you know, pit crew, uh, organization, engineers, crew chief, like a lot of people. Because there is so many things that you have to adjust to always move forward. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I I was part of uh, great teams in the past and, and I learned a lot um, but there was always something missing uh, and and I feel like it got better as I start growing in the Cup Series and I start learning uh, the first two years were definitely extremely difficult because you know people just didn't listen to me uh, I, I was asking for different things or looking for different things and and I felt like you know we were always you know underwater for some reason and and there, there was always a struggle. And uh, and once I went to Track House, and and they put on on the table all the plan and everything that they actually wanted to do with Track House. Um, you know, back in at the end of 2020, when I announced I was going to go to Track House, I said that this was going to be this was going to be my bigger my biggest opportunity in the Cup Series. And a lot of people told me I was crazy. I already knew. You know what I was talking about. I already knew the plan that Justin and Ty Norris had. 
but nobody else did. And and a lot of people gave me a lot of crap because I said that, but I said, okay, just just wait. And now, now, now they know what I saw back then. And uh, and I'm just very, very thankful that that Justin and Ty, they picked me to start this project. And uh, and I was actually very, very thankful as well that I believe in them because when they reached out to me, you know, Trackhouse was only a, on a piece of paper. And and all the people that I know around me that give me advice, uh, they told me to to do not believe on another new team because in 2020, you know, I believe on a brand new team and and they gave me all these promises and all these goals and all these things that they were gonna do and and nothing happened. So uh, it was very very tough for me to to put a lot of leap of faith again, but my gut feeling was telling me, man. Trihouse is, is, is they're gonna do it right. They really want to do this right. And and <laughs> I just went with my gut feeling and thanks God it worked out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean it's it just some sometimes you just have to every it, it's everything about timing. And I don't feel like I, I had a good timing in the first four years of my career in the Cup series. But right now, finally I was able to find found that group of people that that you know, wants to be successful on my car as much as I want to be successful. I, I remember back in uh, 2020 when you made those comments about, you know, best opportunity I've had. And, and yeah, there were a lot of naysayers, but I guess, I guess you're right. M- made the playoffs, you've won a race. So I guess uh, who got the last laugh in the end? But um, I, I think my last question, Brennan, I'll let you talk again after this, but uh, you know, your journey, Daniel, through NASCAR, I think has been remarkable you've touched on it you've been with big teams you've been with small upstart teams that didn't work out now one that seems to be going pretty well um so i guess we're jumping all over the place but if you go back and look at your entire racing career what do you believe was your biggest break at this point so when i look to my career i look to my career in three segments uh one segment was in mexico you know, going through go-cars, you know, making it into big cars and then NASCAR Mexico, where my family had to do a ton of sacrifices for me to raise. Like my dad sold his business. They put a mortgage on my mom's house. Like we were very struggling big time uh, for them to give me an opportunity. So that's, that's kind of like the first, you know, phase of my career. The second phase was moving to the United States, which it was very, very difficult as well. Um, and well, let me go back. The first phase, I was able to make it to NASCAR. A big team gave me a contract and I started winning. So I finished that phase and then I started the second phase. I moved to the US and then I started again from zero. I didn't speak English. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have anything. So that was kind of like the second phase. And it took me a while to be able to learn the language and to be able to understand and and I got to win races and I was successful there. And then I went to, you know, the Xfinity series. I raced with Brennan there for a couple of years and I was able to win the championship and that was amazing. So that was the second phase. The third phase of my career was a cup series. And, and I will say that uh, that phase was uh, quite different because, because uh, just, like I said, like I said just a minute ago, you know, the, the, the whole timing of things, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I was already part of, of big, big organizations like, like Gibbs and Stuart House right after that. And, uh, and I learned a lot. Uh, with that being said, you know, th- there were a lot of things that were happening that they were not the best for me. And, uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, you know, as an organization, you have four cars that you have to, I mean, at least this team, they had four cars that they had to take care of. And and I wasn't I wasn't one of the priorities in those in those cars. So it, it was it was very, very difficult for me as a new guy coming up to to learn and to move forward when I was not uh getting what I needed at that time. So you know, I struggled a lot, you know, the first two years, you know, in 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 Gibbs were probably the the, the most difficult ones. Uh, I went to store has and things started to, to look better. You know, we missed the playoffs actually only by one point and, uh, and we got a pole position. We led laps. We couldn't win races that year. And, uh, but I feel like we're moving in the right direction. I feel like with some adjustments, uh, we're going to be better the following year. 
And, uh, and things were actually looking very good for the following year, but just the timing of things just didn't work out and I had to leave. And, and it was so late in the season that I didn't have options because, you know, pretty much 90% of the people in the team, they, they wanted me to stay. And, uh, and it, just, it just didn't work out. And, uh, and then I ended up going to, to, to Toyota in 2020. And that was when, when I hit bottom. You know, I thought that, you know, that was, in my mind, that was, it, it couldn't get lower than that. Like, if, it, if, if that was going to be, that was going to be my racing career, I was going to stop because I, I, I didn't want that for me. So, so I hit bottom and I, you know, that, that 2020 season, that was probably the season that I, that I, that I, that I actually learned and, and, and grew the most as a person, not as a race car driver. As a race car driver, honestly, I didn't learn anything. Uh, racing 30th, 28th, and Brennan knows this, you don't learn anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it doesn't matter how hard or how work and how fast you drive, the car is going to be 28 or 29. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was able to work a lot on myself uh, to be better and, 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 and to be stronger mentally and physically. And, uh, and that's one, that, that was when, when Dry House, you know, chose up, uh, show, show up in my, in my life uh, as an opportunity. And, and, and there I went. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, your story is awesome, right? And as another race car driver myself, I, I really understand where you're coming from and, and the things that you're saying, because I've been on the inside. So I, so I know, I know what it's like to not be the priority guy. You know, I've, I've had teammates where, you know, it was very obvious I was not the good. There's no way I can overcome, um, you know, in the beginning portion of my career when I first started racing Xfinity where I was at, I just wasn't the guy there. And that's, and that's fine. I just couldn't, that timing is everything. And at that moment in time, I, you know, I just wasn't, I did not have those people around me. So, and it's very hard to overcome that. Um, but I, you know, talking about your break, I mean, obviously now at Trackhouse and having these guys around you that believe in you, that listen to you, that are are um, letting you sort of steer the ship, if you will, guide them, um, you can see the results. And it's it's um, it's amazing to see um, um, what you you've accomplished since being being a part of that team. And, and I'm so excited to see, um, you know, what you do uh, this year. And um, also as my buddy, just to, to because I want you to do well. Right. And um, you know, maybe I'll bring over a small taco and we can smash it up in your front yard <laughs> when you win the next one um, and, and have some fun and um, eat some tres leches and uh, and have a good good time. But we're going to make Lindsay, my my girlfriend, makes really good tres leches for those listening. And uh, we made a bunch for Daniel's engagement party and uh, we had leftovers and so much so that um, some of the, the friends were fighting over them and trying to steal them. Oh, Daniel, you locked it down. And, and 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 held on to the extra dress leches, so we will we will make some more of those this year uh, for sure at some point, um, you know. But hopefully, listen, we're gonna have a massive party because I'm racing Daytona in the Xfinity Series. I've got a shot to win on Saturday before you, and then you just win the 500. And you know how much tres leches and how much food we're gonna have. It's gonna be we have to do it. It would be like the greatest party of all time. So I'm I'm putting the pressure on you. You put the pressure on me, and let's just take over um, speed weeks and and win Saturday and Sunday, both of us. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I mean, that <laughs> will be very very exciting. Um, you know, I, uh, I I I I have I have very very good expectations. I'm very good energy. I'm very good. You know, just uh, just environment in my team. You know, it's a. Uh, it's, it's very, very important to have a good environment in your team when you are going to work your butt off every single week and weekend from February to November. So uh, I have an amazing team, great people, and, uh, and, and I think that we're going to do some great things. Man. And I know, I know you're going to work very, very hard, and, and I know your, your break is coming uh, as well. Thank you. I appreciate it, Daniel. And I appreciate you coming on and talking to us a little bit and, and, and about this season and where you're at and what you've done and telling us a little bit about your journey. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I know your story and, and I've spent a lot of nights with you and eaten a lot of uh, steaks and meat at Chima. And, um, but, <laughs> but, but I still appreciate you coming on and sharing the story and chatting with Eric and I, and, and being our first guest on, on our new show, man, we, we really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. 
Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you. A huge and tremendous uh, thank you uh, to Daniel Suarez for taking some time out of his schedule to come on the show and be the first guest in Out of the Groove Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast History. <laughs> That's a mouthful. I'll have to get used to that. Um, this final segment of the show, typically, we would reserve for fan questions. So uh, that's, I guess, my lighthearted suggestion uh, to all of you watching or listening at home to leave a comment, either tweet at us or leave a comment underneath the YouTube video if you're watching us right now. If you want to know something about Brennan, if you for some reason want to know something about me, leave a comment down below because each episode of this show we're typically going to close out by answering some of those fan questions. I like the idea of Brennan that yeah. like, I pick some questions to ask you and you pick some yeah. questions for me. <laughs> Feels like we might end up with some, some really awkward ones, but yeah, uh, we might, we yeah, might. Absolutely. So, uh, but th- because this is our first episode, our inaugural episode, we're still uh, figuring everything out. And it is also the first episode uh, after a long and uh, crazy off season. I figured we should yeah. be- begin this series by, talking about Daytona, previewing the Daytona 500, and also what you've got going on, Brendan, because you're racing at Daytona here in just a few short days. How excited are you? How pumped are you? Uh, I'm pretty excited. I just packed my bag for the first time for the year. So I have like, you know, my suit, the new, all. I don't know if you guys know, but there's like a new rule where we all have to wear head to toe underwear. So I have like the new socks, the the, the new pants. Were you going commando shirts. before that? Were you one of the drivers that forced well, them to, <laughs> to put commando? I don't know if I'm going to say commando, but I would wear, I just wore normal boxers. Like I'm a normal boxer guy. Like I can't, uh-huh. I don't like it when stuff's tight around my thighs. I think the mm. problem is from all the cycling and running and stuff, like my thighs are bigger than my waist. So like it never works out right. So like I either feel like my thighs are getting like, you know, have the grip of death on them and uh, my waist fits right or my waist doesn't fit right at all. And then my, and the lower part of my thigh is comfortable. So I don't mm-hmm. like wearing the underwear. I just don't. Um, but it's mandatory now. So I have the socks, which I never, I, I don't mind wearing the socks. They're like a little thin, the fireproof one. So it feels a little funky at first when you're not used to it. And of course, when you're racing, you don't notice it at all, but um, walking around, you notice it. It's a little, it feels a little goofy, but yeah. So I have all the new, all the new stuff, all the new rules in my bag. I've got the, my, my new helmet, all my stuff ready to rip. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. And Oh, speaking of my new helmet. So it's a throwback to that one right there, that one there. Yeah. And I'm um, going to do like a little, a little video on what it means and all that stuff in the history and post like videos of me when I have five-year-old Brennan and whatnot on my Patreon that I just started. Ooh. So uh, yeah, I'm doing a little like behind the scenes stuff and I'm going to answer questions and stuff over there after races. I'm going to like give away gloves and shoes personalized to fans if you're a part of it. And we might do some other cool special giveaways and t-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff. So find me on Patreon, check it out. If you want to be a part of the bullpen, that's what we're hey. calling it. Eric said it was a good idea, so we're rolling with it. Um, so that's uh, that's what we're doing. But yeah, so I'm I'm really excited. Daytona is one of my favorite places to to go and to start the year out there. You it, you can't get any better than that. So I'm excited. We're gonna have a fast race car. I really think I really think I might be doing some woos <laughs> at the end of the day. But I don't. You know, you had to have a lot of things go right at Daytona to end up there and miss a lot of the crashes. So we'll see. But I think we're gonna have a really fast car. And I want on that note, I want to ask you, uh, since you're a driver who's raced at Daytona in a variety of vehicles, I, I need to find the tweet. If I can find it, I'll put it up on the YouTube uh, version of this show right here. But I saw a tweet that kind of reminded me that uh, Denny Hamlin, he's won three Daytona 500s in the last like six, seven years, but he's also been really close to winning like three or four more. And everyone looks at super speedway racing as being kind of fluky. There's a big wreck that can easily take out all the best cars. It's not even a single driver's fault. And so I think a lot of people believe plate racing, if you will, is completely random. But I think the great super speedway racers seem to overcome that randomness and still find themselves near the front. Like you mentioned to me a moment ago, a moment ago while we were uh, listening to the Suarez interview, that McDowell always seems to be there at the end of these super speedway races. And obviously he won a Daytona 500 two years. Yeah. Two years ago now. So yeah. as a driver, when people say, Oh, blade racing is just random. You know, like it doesn't really take any traditional skill. Like 
what I'm not trying to like uh, like <laughs> light a fire inside you here, but like, what do you say to that? What what is your response? I, I think any driver that says that they just don't get how to race plate races. They just don't. They just don't get it. Um, do you think it's like I they think, just don't buy into it? Because I've heard like not to throw him under the bus. I heard Christopher Bell in a, po- a different podcast recently say that yeah. he hates super speedway racing, just despises it. And I get it. Like he's a dirt guy, completely goes yeah. against what he's learned how to do his whole life, probably. But like, do you think he's just not buying in? He's just not accepting it or, or is it? I guess. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, Christopher Bell, don't be mad at me for saying this, but like, I just think that's dumb. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not the same type style of racing where we're at a short track or we're at a mile and a half and you're braking and you're having to move around the track and you're literally like physically driving the car to create the speed. You're, you're not doing that. Like at Daytona, you're, you're wide open, but there's a lot of decisions being made. There's a lot of anticipating that's being made. And, and that in itself is a skill to be able to see things happen before they happen and understand where to position yourself in order to get the finish or win the race. Like that is a skill. Um, and I think there are a lot of guys that have it. And maybe the ones that aren't buying in just struggle with that um, at, at this point in their career. And maybe they'll find it, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Dale Jr., a good example. Dale Sr., good example. Like, so many good guys. Denny Hamlin is uh, – I mean, just listen to Denny when he calls some of the Xfinity races and things he's saying and talking about the side drafting and decisions and where to move. Like, that's all skill that you have learned through time and experience in studying film, which to me – is I mean that's that's a learned earned skill. So um, I think there's many drivers that are good that are really good at it. I mean you know I think Christopher Busher for a long time was always somehow he's always at the front at the end of these races even when he ran Xfinity full time. Won like, a dual race last right year. Yeah, won a dual race. That that is uh, it's these races are not easy to win. That's why when you see someone repetitively win them, you know that something's up. Up, um, you know, uh, Justin Haley in uh, the colleague cars. I mean, something, something's up. You can't. He's got like four of these be, trophies, like, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you just, he's very good at anticipating what is going to happen and then position himself. And there's a, one of the last ones he won at Daytona, I think. You can literally watch him make the decision to go where he goes. Like he sits, makes a decision, and that was the right decision, won the race. And it's like, wow, because he could have made a couple of different choices. And the decision he did make, ultimately is what made him win the race. So those, you know, it's just about anticipating and that is, that is a skill in, in being learning how things happen over time and, and, you know, what certain drivers will do things like that. You, you definitely have to have some things go your way. You need help from other individuals, but there's a skill in forcing other people to help you too at the play tracks. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't get talked about that much either, but you know, it's just um, it's just that type of style of racing. It's a it's very mental. It's very mentally exhausting, but it's a it's a it's a mental race. And you gotta uh, you have to miss wrecks. You know, there's a lot of things that come into luck. You know, McDowell winning the 500. You know, yes, they wrecked in front of him, and he went through the wreck and won the race. But he was still in third in the last lap of the Daytona 500. He was he in was position pushing, to have a shot at winning anyways. He was pushing Brad, I think, to the <laughs> potential win. Yeah. Like he was there. Like, right. Yeah. So no matter what, um, you have to be, you have to put yourself in a position to win those races. And that's a skill. Granted, you still need some luck to win them because you could get taken out. You need luck to win any race. race. Arguably a little more of super speedways, but that's interesting to hear a a driver's perspective uh, on that, on that note. Uh, But we're looking forward to watching you out in the Xfinity race Saturday, Brendan. I want to talk a little bit about the Daytona 500 though, um, real quick while we have just a couple more minutes. Again, power hour, really trying to stick to the hour long time timeline. I don't know. We might have power hour and two minutes. (laughs) See, that doesn't ring. That doesn't have as good a ring to it. No, it doesn't. Um, well, the Daytona 500, uh, we, don't have to, we don't have to give like our picks, but uh, I think the list of drivers who are attempting to qualify for the Daytona 500, uh, super interesting. So by the time everyone's listening to this, tomorrow night is single car qualifying, and then two nights are the duels. And I mean, you got legends like Jimmy Johnson and Travis Pastrana trying to make the race. Pastrana's not really a NASCAR legend, but he, you know, a racing legend. Yeah, he's a legend though. Yeah. Austin Hill, yeah. Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, some young guns trying to kind of make their way in. And I'll throw Connor Daly into the mix who was announced uh, yeah. or last week, I believe that uh, he's going to attempt the race as well. So I don't, there's a lot to there, watch out for. <laughs> there's going to be some hurt feelings after the duels. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are going to be like four really good cars go home that yeah. are spinning top dollar. I mean, mm-hmm. the, 
Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, um, um, Jimmy Johnson, um, like you said, uh, Travis Pastrana, those cars, like those are really good cars. And those teams are spending a lot of money to make those cars perform at like top level. Like they're, those cars are going to qualify a lot better than a lot of other cars that have charters. And mm-hmm. some of those cars will not make the race, which is crazy. Like it's probably yeah. going to be one of the most exciting dual races to watch that there have been in a, in an incredibly long time because yeah. like, like, yeah, I mean, Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, those guys can miss the race and you could have a Connor Daly or somebody get in. What if someone wrecks? You don't know. It's going to be very, very intense. It's nice that there's more than 40 cars. You know, there's going to be some eliminations. I think like watching the Indianapolis 500 every year is more of a casual IndyCar fan, like bump day, seeing, knowing that nobody is locked in. So exciting. That really adds to the intensity and the drama. Um, Daytona 500, not quite the same thing because you do know 36 drivers are are locked in in. uh, for sure. I mean, who was it? Uh, Rick Ware just they added Riley Herbst to their yeah. uh, lineup and, you know, disrespect to Riley Herbst, but it just sounds kind of goofy knowing that he's locked in and Jimmy Johnson's not, you know, it's, not. It's, yeah. it's a little wacky. Um, but still the, the fact that there's going to be a couple drivers going home, it, it gives you a reason to watch. It's intense. Like what, what happens if someone hits Jimmy on accident around, he goes head on the defense <laughs> and then that's great. The, he's not going to be in the race. Right. And that could happen to, to any, any of them. And, um, so yeah, that it's going to be intense to watch. You can, you better believe I'm going to be watching it. I'll be in, I'll be there by then. Um, I will be probably getting in, I'm driving there uh Thursday morning. So maybe I'll, mm. I'll probably be there somewhere to watch it on TV, but and yeah, the Wednesday um, night yeah. qualifying will be interesting too, because there is, you know, there is a way to qualify in on time. And I could, I could see Jimmy Johnson. I could see Jimmy Johnson winning the poll in that car. I don't know. Chevy's well, always seem to be fast. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you. Is it going to be Hendrick front row or I I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Johnson does sit on the pole. I, Who knows? I, I know he's not a Hendrick car. He's a Hendrick driver though. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm banking on Chevy. I'm I'm not just because you're sitting here and I know you drive a Chevy, Brian, but I feel like Chevy's yeah. on, on that Wednesday or now it's a Wednesday. It used to be like the week before or whatever. Um, always uh, seem to be fast on qualifying day. So, Oh yeah. Will Bowman be on the pole for the, what is it? 50th fifth time in a row. row. Yeah. Fifth, something yeah like five weeks, five Daytona 500 in a row outside. He's, he's been on the front row. Yeah. He's been on the front row like but... every year of his Hendrick career, I think. I, yeah. Uh, magic. Which he's is got, crazy. He's got a new That's crew chief stat. though. He's got a new crew chief. That's though. true that too. Maybe. I don't know. It depends on what his crew chief's going for. I mean, I feel like Hendrick, they try to go down there and sit on the pole, which is a good thing to do. But there are teams, you know, that focus more on handling as well throughout the race. And so there's like different um, different ways of looking at it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, uh, we're both going to be there. Uh, you are going to be working as a driver. I will be working yep. as someone who tries to talk to the drivers. Uh, <laughs> well, you always know you come find me. I'll talk to you. Absolutely. Both sides of the coin. <laughs> uh, both sides of the same coin, I should say. Um, but that's going to do it, I believe, for our first ever episode of Out of the Groove Power yeah. Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. Again, I'll remind everyone you can use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. So head to uh, Circle B. Try to find your favorite driver's latest diecast, maybe pre-order their upcoming 2023 scheme uh, and use that code for a special deal. Uh, thank you so much to Circle B for sponsoring the show. And Brennan, thank you for uh, being here for episode one. You'll be here for every episode. I guess I don't need to yeah. specifically no, thank you. I, I put out a teaser like, hey, who do you think our first <laughs> guest is going to be? And like half the comments were, oh, Brennan Poole, you already announced this. I'm like, he's not a guest. No, no He's the it's host. Our, it's our show. Gosh, guys. I think they've, they've got to figure it out by now. Groovy <laughs> gang. Come on. Or some of you be part of the bullpen. Same team. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Team. Exactly. So, <laughs> Uh, but thank you everyone for listening and or watching. Again, this show is available not only on YouTube at youtube.com slash Eric Eastep, but it's also available uh, on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, I think iHeartRadio even. I think they do podcasts. Doesn't that make you feel official? They it really does. Official. I've never actually like rattled them all <laughs> off like this. I'm, this is the first time I'm doing it. I think it's coming out pretty good. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Brennan, thanks for being here. We'll see you all down at Daytona and then we'll definitely see you again uh, for the next episode of Power Hour.